at some point I looked up and I realized I'm in a clearing, like I am in a clearing within the woods. And I don't know, I just, I'm so passionate about it because I know so many people are in that space, especially after the few years that we've been stuck in. Everybody's mental health is kind of struggling right now. Hey everyone, I'm Claude Silver and I am an emotional optimist. For me, there is absolutely no false or toxic positivity in emotional optimism. It is simply an awareness that we have the capacity to influence how we feel and how we think. And that even in our darkest times, we know that the light is actually always there. So join me as I ask each and every one of my guests what emotional optimism means to them. And again, thank you so much for joining us. This is a real this is a real honor for me. It's it's nice, you know, when I get to reach out to people that inspire me. And I'm very. It's funny. I I'm in a wonderful position where people reach out and want to talk about culture or, or work or working mm-hmm. with my boss or Vader Media or anything like that. But I'm actually quite bashful reaching out to others, and so <laughs> I it, love that. it's so funny. So I was sitting there one night and you know, one of your wonderful posts popped up. I was like, I'm just going to write her. I'm just going to do it. And uh, thank you for I saying I remember yes. getting that message. I think we like started communicating immediately. Yeah. I was like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> I think I'm the same way though, because like, I do feel like there are like a lot of inquiries that come through, but then whenever I want to make an ask, like I'm always so nervous or almost like I'm like somebody I'm going to get rejected, you know? And then when people come back and they're so excited or so grateful, I'm like, huh, like maybe this is just like something going on in my head. That isn't exactly a true story, you know? That's exactly right. It's just like the self-talk that yep. we tell ourselves that both you and I coach and inspire others to get out of. And yet, yeah. you know, I'm, I mean, I'm so perfectly imperfect that, <laughs> uh, you know, um, but I wanted to, wanted to ask you um, about your origin story and where you're from and really, you know, who was Hannah at, you know, five, six, seven years old? Where was she? What was she up to? Yeah, she, um, I feel like I am a lot like who I was when I was little. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm, I was always that way. I definitely feel like I went through a period of like, oh, I just want, you know, I want to be like everybody else. I want to do what everybody else does. But I remember from like my earliest days, always feeling like maybe there was something wrong with me because I didn't care about what other people cared about. I didn't like, I didn't care about like going out to like, play with my friends and all this stuff. Like I was like, I want to help the world. I want to write novels. I want to create things. Like I always felt this thing inside of me that wanted to do something bigger. And I think I thought everybody had that. Um, And I think that in it, I don't know, I still kind of have a theory that everybody does, but that it gets hushed as we get older. And so I'm so thankful for a mother that really cultivated like, my childhood and cultivated like who I was as a person and didn't tell me to like 
shut that off or like dumb that down, you know? And so I've always been like wildly creative in my own head, like very much like always making up like worlds in my own head. And I still have that today. I just think that like I have learned, especially as like an artist, how to build discipline into my life. Because if I were just to be led by like my emotions and my feelings, which I have a lot of those, I don't think anything would ever, ever get done. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I can relate. What is so interesting is what you say, you know, as a, as a, youngster you felt like something was wrong with you and then in the next sentence which by the way I can completely relate to I I just thought I had a missing chip that's another story um but then in the next sentence it's so interesting how something was wrong with you and you thought and dreamt bigger like how those are so yeah yeah is juxtaposed the right word they don't they really don't fit together logically yep yep Logically. logically And yet here you were as a kid thinking big, wanting to help the world, having a heart to help. Sounds like yeah. at a very young mm-hmm. age, identifying that and being like, but this isn't what I'm seeing around me. Absolutely. Especially in my circle like, of friends. <clears throat> yeah. Especially as you got a little bit older, I remember like, you know, like you go to like middle school and all of a sudden you're like, I just want to fit in. Like, that's all I want. And I don't think I ever... Not that I didn't fit in, but I remember I was been thinking about this all this past week and I have no idea why. Maybe it was for this moment, but um, I had this memory of going to a newspaper staff meeting when I was in middle school. I was so excited because all I wanted to do was write. And I was like, as quick as I can start doing this, I'm going to start doing this. And I went to the newspaper staff meeting and I remember somebody had told me newspaper wasn't cool. Like it wasn't a cool club. And that was the only meeting I ever went to. I never joined the newspaper staff because I didn't want to seem uncool or unpopular or to do something that was going to set me apart from the crowd. And I look back and I'm like, I don't have many regrets, but I should have joined the newspaper staff (laughs) because seriously, though, like, what is the point of trying to fit in and be popular and all these things when in actuality, like these little bubbles of like high school or college, like, they're going to break and you're going to wish that you had figured out who you are or what you bring to the table and like stoked that fire in you. And so it's like, my only regret is that I didn't start doing it sooner. Um, And I did it in quiet corners and quiet spaces, but I wish I had just put myself out there more. Um, because once I started doing that, then I was like, Oh, I'm not an accident. Like there's nothing wrong with me. This Mm. is how I'm wired. This is beautiful. I love that. And once you put yourself out there, I mean, look at where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. You've written what three incredible books. You're obviously a huge influencer online, your blog, uh, 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 Instagram where we met. I mean, it's just, that's, I think you and I were talking offline for a second that we both have, you know, young kids. Mm -hmm. And of course we can't micromanage them, but we can help guide them to course correct. If we see them going down that road of like, no, I can't do this or no, I'm, I'm an introvert and that's wrong or no one like, you know, it's like, no, actually shine that that's you shine. Let's, yeah. let's radiate that because you've got a gift. Everyone, I believe you, everyone has gifts. 
Yeah, and, I totally uh, agree. Yeah, obviously you did. And I, I think how interesting for people that might have told you back in the day, newspaper club wasn't cool. And I would imagine some of them follow you today. Yes. And you know, what's interesting, like going off of that vein of like, when I was a senior in college, again, I mean, like, I think I had really come into my own and like come into my own skin. But when I was a senior in college, like blogging was just beginning, like it was blowing up, you know, like Julie and Julia style. And I remember it was one of my like, best friends that was like, you know, you should start a blog. Like, you know, you're the newspaper editor and like you, you come up with these things all the time. Like you should just put it out there more often. So I created this blog and I fell in love with blogging and still to this day, like 11 years into blogging. And I just, I, I just love blogging, but, but, um, I remember that there were, there were these girls on campus that some were even friends of mine that just didn't like that I was doing this. Like, kind of hated it and bullied me. And like, I'm like, we're 21 years old. Like, are we past the point of bullying, you know? And I look back now and I'm like, maybe they just wanted to be able to do the same thing and didn't have the courage to step out and do it. And then that's why they got mean or they got nasty or whatever it is. It still doesn't make it right. But like, man, I wish I'd had that mindset back then of like people are not necessarily always going to be a cheerleader for you. If you choose to go against the grain, if you choose Mm -hmm. to do something outside of the box, that doesn't mean that you should let them run your life or stop you from doing what you know you're supposed to do. Exactly. And I think about those girls, we've all had those people in our life, whether or not it's even today in your professional life or, or as a, as a a young, younger person, but it's envy and envy is a, you know, envy then comes out, envy is fear and jealousy, and it comes out as, uh, you know, you have to make someone wrong because you want what they want, not realizing that it's attainable. Yes, of course, I'm not going to be able to, you know, decode some kind of NASA uh, experiment (laughs) thesis. So I can't have that, but I certainly can still have an interest in astronauts and space travel which I do, but not really. I don't know where that tangent went to, but it came from. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I mean, envy is such a, pa- I think such a powerful um, uh, elixir for some people. Yeah. And yep. until it's not, until self-awareness kicks their butt and kicks all of our butts eventually. And, mm, you know, totally. we, yeah. Um, so uh, thank you for sharing all of that. That's really cool and and really brave of you to actually then in college say, no, actually, this is my gift and I'm going to go for it. Yeah, yeah. And then continue on to today and tomorrow and the next day. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, um, do you have any favorite sayings or um, phrases that you keep on your uh, laptop or you keep on your wall or songs or anything that that just like, yes, that's, that's who I am. I carry that with me every day. Oh, I have so many. I feel like my mom always tells me I have way too words like surrounding me because like, <laughs> I don't know, I've always liked that. Um, yeah. I mean like the one that's right, actually right here in my office that I see every day, it just says simple obedience changes everything. Mm-hmm. And that's just a reminder of just like showing up, waking up, 
being present to this day, whatever is in front of me. And I think the reality in that is that like, you know, if you'd asked me five or six years ago, I probably would have said like to have a productive day would be like to get everything done on your to-do list, to get to inbox zero, to like conquer the world, so to speak. And I look at it now, especially since becoming a mom and I'm like, hmm, like productive looks a lot different, you know? And like, I just need to be able to show up to what this day holds for me and that will change everything. And that does not mean that days are not going to look ordinary or mundane or not exactly how I want them to look, but like productive isn't just what I produce. It is how I show up to this moment. And so like, you know, even last week, like my daughter was in the hospital. She was in the hospital week. And, um, it was a very scary time for us and we didn't know what was going on, but like, I look back on that week and I said, I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I was right by her side. I was going with her into the x-rays and the CT scans and everything. And like, to me, I would never look at that week and say that week wasn't productive because what I was, was a mom. And I was a mama bear in that week. And like, what I needed to be doing was being exactly where I was and allowing my support system to come in and surround me. And like, I'll look back and say that was one of the most productive weeks of my life as mm-hmm. a human being. And I would have never thought that like five or six years ago. Right, right, right. Well, first of all, is she okay? She is good. Yes. Um, okay. I mean, we don't have to get into all of it, but uh, I've been a little bit candid on like Instagram that she's had some like severe car sickness, like motion sickness every time we get into the car. Um, and so we've really been trying to figure that out because she's been getting dehydrated and all these things. And so it just kind of was a perfect storm of circumstances that landed us in like a pretty scary situation. Yeah, of course. And especially for, you know, a 17 month old, like Baby, they, they're, they're like so innocent. <laughs> I'm sure they have no idea what, you know, what dizziness or vertigo or nausea. Exactly. Yeah, so I hope she gets better. That is Thank that's you. super scary. That is super scary. Um, and, and so I, I have, well, I'm going to ask this next question wondering, well, we'll just see where it goes, but where do you, where do you get inspiration? Huge, huge question. But where do you get blips of inspiration, if not inspiration? Yeah, I think um, a lot of my inspiration, I think it comes from a lot of places. And I will say this, like I have been learning throughout the last few months that the more I shut my phone off, like power it down completely, the more inspired I am. It's almost like I shut off this pathway and I can finally see like everything that's in front of me. Um, And so for me, like inspiration comes through reading great books, reading great words. I'm very visual. So like, I like to flip through magazines. I like to go on Pinterest. Um, I get inspiration through prayer and meditation. I get inspired. Honestly, most of my inspiration, and this is weird because like COVID really messed this up for us, but like it's sitting down one-on-one with somebody and getting to listen to them and hear what they're going through and hear their stories and meet new people. And so I would say all of that is a cultivation of like where I get inspiration from. But that first thing is like figuring out how to be present. And for me, that's like shutting my phone off for multiple hours each day so that I can just be in the moment. And then I feel like everything around me is like, 
oh, I could write about that. I could write about that. I could write about that. But it only happens when I shut this thing off. And so I'm, I'm sure they're studying that in, in uh, you know, neuro, neurological places, which is yeah. that, that, uh, that stimulation and that, uh, that, that, that wanting to, the dopamine hit that we get or the wanting to, you know, yes. on this page or this page. I mean, when I, when I see not only on my laptop, but on my phone, how many tabs I have open. Oh my gosh. Right. I'm like, well, wait, Claude, why aren't I just reading it in that moment? Or why aren't I going back and reading it within a week? Yeah. Like, let's just yeah. give myself a week's, you know, what is it doing? It's not doing anything. 80 tabs back on my phone. And we're not even like consuming it really. It's kind of like, we're like (laughs) the way that I look at, like, if I'm, you know, in my kitchen throughout the day and I'm just like, instead of making a hearty meal, that's going to fill me up, I'm grazing off of goldfish and pretzels and veggie sticks or whatever it is. When I'm like, hold up, if I just pause, sat down and enjoyed and savored this thing, I would feel so much more content and so much more full. I think that's like the diet we've given ourselves when it comes to social media. Mm-hmm. I, I love the analogy as someone, again, that has small kids. Like I have a bag of pretzels right here. I have the goldfish, the pirate's yep. booty, the, all that oh, stuff. Oh, yes, yes. And, uh, uh, and I'm feeling it too because whatever <laughs> is on her plate comes into my mouth. But, but I do, I think that's a wonderful, um, back to the idea of obedience and discipline and present you know shutting shutting it's not even it's shutting it down but it's really giving yourself the gift of being present so that you can do what it is you're here to do or one of the many things you're here to do which is uh which we want to be as easy as possible because it's a gift that you've been given we don't want to make it challenging so you know you want to you want to create that space where all of it can happen because that's Mm -hmm. the spaces where yep the magic happens spaces where, you know, totally. I totally believe that. And I I've seen it in my own life though, of like, you know, when I'm in that zone and when I'm not in that zone and I can Mm -hmm. always pinpoint like what's wrong. It's like, Oh, I'm consuming too much social media. I'm too plugged in. I'm reading the news too much. Like I'm, I'm consuming, but not contributing. And Mm -hmm. I think contributing doesn't always look like oh, I have to have the right thing to say on Twitter or have to, you know, I feel like a lot of that, like, it's like, I love to create words that are going to be like timeless words that people can read at any juncture in their life. But like, if I were to spend all of my time just trying to come up with a rebuttal of things I see on the internet, like that would be all my creative juices, you know? And I don't, I don't think that I'm called to do that because I think there are plenty of people that are filling in that space For me, like, I feel really called to the internet to be a light on the internet in a very dark space and Mm -hmm. to remind people like, hey, you may be walking through these woods, but I believe that you are going to come out of this. And I believe that you are going to get to the other side of this thing because I've seen it in my own life, you know, I've seen it over and over and over again. And that doesn't mean like I want to add any kind of like toxic positivity or anything to the world because I don't know. I kind of live in this space where I don't believe everything is okay. And I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I believe that you are okay in the midst of this Mm -hmm. and you will prevail in the midst of this. And so that is what I want to give to other people. I don't know how I got to this space in this conversation. So I apologize. I love it. it. Well, you've just described what I would call emotional optimism, 
which is yes, being with it all. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm not okay. It's a dark day. We got COVID. We got this. We got that. And yet, there is a light in the coffin. There is a light in yes. the tunnel. And we yes. will get there. Not not in your. And I love that you said not in a toxic positivity way because I agree. That's not. It's not everything's great. No, so, this is really friggin' hard and it hurts. And I've stubbed my toe 8 million times because it's dark and yeah, yeah. And with one another support, whatnot, mm. finding people that are lights, we will get out. We, yeah. we will get out and we'll be there. We'll be a beacon of light for that next person. And it's funny that and it's actually, it's not funny. That's not a, that's not what I want to say, but I don't know how we got here in the conversation, but I love that we got here <laughs> because it's also um, Suicide Prevention Day, mm-hmm. uh, which is enormous. And I know you write a lot about mental health, and yeah. mental wellness, emotional health, emotional wellness. And, and you know, that's pretty much where I spend a lot of my time too. And, um, and what, a, what a wonderful message to give, which is in, there are dark days. It's always, it's always, you know, what do they say? It's darkest before the dawn. Yeah, yeah. But it is a truism. It yeah. is darkest before the dawn. The dawn does come. Hmm. That doesn't mean like, you know, I say that from a very entitled place because I'm not in Afghanistan right now. Yeah. I'm, I wasn't hit by, uh, two, you know, by, the, by Hurricane Ida and all of those things. So I want to recognize that. I'm yeah. sitting here in a very dry place and I've had lunch and everything. But, yeah. Um, but it's just interesting when, and I think it's so so important that there are people out there that are really hurting and for whatever reason, don't feel like they can find the light, ask for help, reach yeah. out. And I just, I just want to, I just want to like call attention to that and really say out loud, like there are plenty of people out there that will be your island, that will be your hand mm. to pull you up. Yeah. And it might not. I always think back to like, you know, when I was going through severe depression and I was having suicidal ideations and I look back and I think there is always someone there to be that island. It just might not be who you expect it to be. And that's actually really beautiful in and of itself. It's like, I look back and I'm like, I didn't expect that person to show up or I didn't necessarily want that person to show up. And yet that person was a better support to me than people I'd known 10 years, you know? And I think it's like just being able to be open to that help because I think like, especially when it comes to like depression and mental illness, I talk to a lot of readers who, um, are like, why did this person not show up for me? Or why did this person walk away? Mm. And, I know that feeling and I know why they are angry or they're upset or they're bitter. But in actuality, I look back and I think before I went through all of this, I don't know that I knew how to show up for somebody in a really dark time. Like I didn't know, I knew what I knew, you know? And so it's like, sometimes someone has to go through something really hard and really awful to then be able to know how to show up for somebody else that's in the thick of that. And so it's like, the people who showed up for me were the people that had known the dark themselves in various ways. And they were the ones that like knew this is how I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to show up to just 
literally sit here with you or hold you in my arms or bring you a meal or give you something to do. Um, but I don't blame the people that didn't know how to show up in that because it's, it's scary. And it's scary to walk with somebody through something hard, like suicidal ideations. And so like, it, I think it does start though with admitting and saying out loud, like I'm not okay right now. Like it is okay to to not be okay and start from there. I remember like when I went to the emergency room because I knew like, I'm not okay. I need help right now. And this crazy weird peace met me in that dark time because I knew like, I am surrounded by people that are going to help me get out of this. And like, doctors who are not phased by this and people that are not phased by this. And I am going to come out of this one day. And I just, I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to be that day and it might not be that week or that month. But like, I think I started to shift my mindset to just start focusing on what I call like the breadcrumbs, like with like Hansel and Gretel, where their mom had said, if you ever get lost and you need to find your way home, you know, you follow the trail of breadcrumbs back. And so I started to find those breadcrumbs in the woods and they were little things, you know, that friend's text, that friend's prayer, that cup of tea, that, that doctor's visit, that prescription, whatever it was that at some point I looked up and I realized I'm in a clearing, like I am in a clearing within the woods. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm so passionate about it because I know so many people are in that space, especially after the few years that we've been stuck in that everybody's mental health is kind of struggling right now. And that's where it's like, we talked about the toxic positivity, you know, it's like, I'm not telling you that a journey to health is easy or that like, you know, you can do it all in a day. It's not true. But like, I have learned over the years that like, it is important to take care of ourselves. That is not a selfish thing. That is not like the way that our culture looks at self-care is like, no, like you cannot pour from an empty cup. And so we need to figure out ways for you to pour into yourself so that you can show up and pour into the people you need to pour into. Yeah. I'm sitting here nodding my head. And first of all, thank you so much for sharing some of your story. And it's really powerful and it is really important. So thank you for the the courage and ability to do that. Really, um, without people sharing their stories of their dark times, people end up feeling alone. And yeah isolated. And that's where the hopelessness really can root itself, can burrow and root. So thank you so much for sharing that. I really, absolutely, really, really, really honor that. And and it leads me to um, my next question around more love letters. And how did you, how did you create that? Why did you create that? I'll put a link in, you know, uh, for the, for Instagram, but it's just, such a marvelous, happy place for me when I go there. Thank you. Know, you. It's just, uh, it's like a, it's like a, um, it's warm. It's warm. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's crazy. Cause like this month makes 10 years of more love wow. letters. Wow. Which it's crazy because it's like, I think that I actually, so I'll tell the, the story behind it. Um, was when I first graduated from college and I moved to New York City, I found myself struggling with what I did not know at the time was depression. Um, so, you know, 10 years ago, I don't think we really talked 
that openly <laughs> about mental illness or depression. It was like something that was reserved for like that one week of like college orientation. We talked about depression and that was it. It mm-hmm. wasn't like normalized in any way for me. And so um, feeling these feelings of loneliness or sadness or like I- I'm in such a privileged position right now to be living in New York and working at the United Nations. And yet I am so deeply unhappy and so deeply sad. Like what is wrong with me? And I didn't know how to open up to people about that because I felt really ashamed. Um, and so as a way to kind of cope, I started to write letters, like just really honest letters about where I was at and, you know, adding encouragement into those letters. Cause I think I'm just a natural encourager. Um, and I started to leave them around New York city, which everybody's like, that is so strange. But like, if you grew up with my mother, you would understand it because my mom has always left letters for me to find all throughout childhood. And when I moved to my first college dorm room, there were letters hidden for me. (laughs) And even still to this day, when she comes and visits in Atlanta, you know, her letters are found throughout the house and she leaves them for me and now she leaves them for my daughter. And so I'm getting emotional talking about this, but um, I always just, that was my way of communicating was by letter writing. I would write letters to my friends. I write letters to my daughter. Now I write love letters to my husband. Um, And so it was a really normal thing for me to go to like my favorite bookstore in New York and leave letters in my favorite books or to, I had done it all throughout college, you know? And so, um, when I blogged about it, I put it on the internet. I said, I'm, I'm writing these letters and I'm leaving them. And I know this sounds crazy, but like, if you want a letter for whatever reason, I'll write to you. And I thought like, I'll get a few people. I did not expect to get this tidal wave of hundreds of people asking me to write to them and like sharing some crazy stories. And, um, I really, at that point too, was like kind of in like, um, like kind of a crisis of faith of like, do I believe there's a God? Do I not believe there's a God? You know, I was in that space. And, and I knew after I got those emails, I was like, oh no, I do believe there is a God because like, I believe that this is what I am called to do for the rest of my life is to show up in this space and, and to be basically a love letter to people. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing back to people. I wrote about 400 letters before, before I wanted the story to be over. I was done with it. I mean, (laughs) I don't even, I like letters, but I didn't like them that much, you know? And it was everybody around me that was like, Hannah, like, you can't kill this story. Like you can't kill the story when it's about to get to the best part. And so at the age of 22, I built a website. I came up with a concept called a love letter bundle, which was like, what if, what if somebody could nominate somebody in their life? And then like letters start showing up for that person. And I tested it out that first month with like my best friend who was going through a really rough spot. And I put her story out there and I didn't know if anybody was ever even going to like be a part of it, you know? And like, we got like 70 letters within those first few days and they just kept coming. And I realized like, we're onto something here. And so it's been 10 years, which is crazy. And I I don't even know how many letters, but I want to say probably in the, I know in the hundreds of thousands of letters. And what's interesting too, though, is that like, you know, that you said like, this is like a really warm place for me or like, you know, like it, 
it's always had that impact on people. And I think I went through a season five years into it where I was like, I am so sick of this thing. I want this thing to go away forever. I almost wish I hadn't started it because I thought I felt like I was trapped as that 22 year old girl who left letters around New York City. And I look at it now, 10 years in, and it's still going. And I'm like, this isn't for me. At one point it was for me, but it is for any other person who encounters this at this time and needs to know that there are other people in the world cheering for them or that they can show up and do something immediately for somebody who needs it. I think that especially with like the way in which words are used in the world today to cut people down so mercilessly, I'm like, no, we need to do the opposite of this. Our words hold power and we need to use our words to build people up. And so that is what we do with more love letters. I'm just sitting here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. That needs to be just broadcast from the highest mountaintop, I think. And, And that is amazing. I mean, and it's extremely, you, you know, you did it out of a place of, uh, coming out of a place of darkness or, you know, to, mm-hmm. to really kind of like self-heal actually. And it's given so much life to people. And yeah, life. it's crazy. Every yeah. day it amazes me. Yeah, it amazes sure. me. Yeah. When it's you funny. Were, uh, oh, sorry. No, please go ahead. No, I was just saying that like, you know, I do a lot of different things in my business and like write books and all this stuff. And my mom still to this day is like, that's not as great as more love letters. More love letters is the greatest thing, you know? And yeah. it's like, it's, it true. Is. it's going to be part of your legacy, of course. Yeah. Words, obviously words. words. The, um, back in the day when you were dropping um, uh, letters into your favorite books, in the beginning, yeah. in the beginning, mm-hmm. what did those letters say? What was the, uh, you know, the, the five sentences that you put in there? Or was it 25 sentences? <laughs> They were, I mean, typically about a page long, like a notebook page. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always, I mean, I was always honest in those letters. So it wasn't like the way that I probably write like an encouraging letter now, because I really didn't know who was ever going to pick up the letter. And I did not want to be contacted to be found. You know, everybody is always like, you sign those first letters, right? And like, pull like a hashtag or a handle. And I was like, no, uh-uh. like somebody somewhere in New York City has one of my letters still to this day. And it's not signed. Like, it's just, that wasn't the point for me. The point mm-hmm. was to be able to get this, this ugly feeling out of me mm-hmm. and onto a page. But then also I kind of had this hyper awareness of like, somebody else must be feeling this too. And I, the part of me that is a romantic that like, will forever love New York City. I'm like looking around my office and I'm like, it's full of New York things, (laughs) Um, even though I'm not a lifer. There is a romanticism to that city that I think it could have only ever happened in New York because I just would always imagine that if I left a letter behind on the subway, somebody was going to come and sit there and they were going to find it or I'd leave it behind at a coffee shop table. And that's just, that's New York right there, you know? And so I always wrote to the person that would find the letter and it would either be the words I needed to hear that day. But I wrote a lot about like how it's crazy that you can be in this city surrounded by people and still feel so alone, like more alone than you ever felt before. And um, I always spoke to that person because 
I just believed that person was going to find the letter. And that person probably still has it on their bedstand today. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like my life's wish. I want right. one of the OG letters. Like, I want someone to find me in all of this. We have to, you know, you have to, you have to do a call out one day. Unless they just find it. I, I want to do her. like a, I want to do a modern love column. Like, yeah. that's like, you know, a call out to like, do you have this letter? Like, do you right. have these letters? You know? Oh my God. Love, love, love that. You could take out like a big old ad in the New York Times yeah. or whatever people read now. I wish actually it would be so cool. Is, you know how we all just go, sometimes you just go google.com. And so the Google uh, logo shows up. Sometimes it's someone's birthday, Thomas Edison's birthday, whatever. Mm-hmm. You just need the call out to you. If you have one of my letters, <laughs> click here. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, because it's out there. That is just It's going to most... happen one day. Oh, of course it is. Uh, life is long. Like, life, you want to hear long. a crazy story? Yeah. This is like, yeah. If ever, I, and it always happened at like junctures where I like doubted what I was doing, you know, because it's not conventional. So like, it was a little bit like, I remember I was at a speaking engagement at this college um, in Massachusetts and it was new student orientation. So it's like, I did the speaking engagement every single year and I would dread it every single time, not because I didn't like love the people that worked there. And like, it's just new student orientation is hard because like, they're nervous. They're scared. They don't want to be sitting here listening to a speaker. They're like, I want to go home. Who just dropped me off at college, you know? And I remember specifically just kind of being in this space of like, what am I doing? Like, what am I, you know, what am I, why am I here? I'm not going to make an impact. Like, and there was this guy that came up to me after the engagement was over. And he was like, I didn't know that it was you. Like, I I know nothing about this, but he was like, um, I, you know, I served our country for 10 years and I got to the point where I said, okay, you know what? Like I served this country. It's time to like hang up my jacket. Like I need to, I want to go to college and pursue my dreams. And so at the age of 32, he went back to school to this college that ended up being one of, um, one of the top colleges in the nation for video game design. And that was his dream to be a video game designer. And he said, but I was listening to you speak. And I remembered a guy from my unit who dealt with suicide ide- suicidal ideations and depression. And we did everything that we could to help this guy. And he turned around at some point. And when we talked to him about like what, what had changed, he showed us a stack of letters that your organization wrote to him. And he was like, he's alive today because of those letters. And I didn't know until I was sitting here that you were the person that saved his life. And like, I I was like weeping in tears. Like, we don't, we just don't know. Like, we don't know the impact or the life that we save when we, show up and we do the uncomfortable thing or the thing we don't feel like doing. I probably wanted to be a million other places than on that stage that day. And I would never know that story. And you're, and you got the gift. Yeah. You you walked away with the gift. Yeah. Wow. That is so incredible. My eyes are watering. That is so, so beautiful. And that is, 
like such emotional bravery, the uncomfortability yeah. of it, all of it from the, from the genesis of even how you started it, being uncomfortable in your own skin. Yeah. To now yeah. sitting here and being like, I mean, I cannot believe that story. That is. And there, there are dozens like it that have yeah, just always met me at the point where I doubt, where I think, why did I do this thing? You know, yeah. like I still have those days and I don't know how I've created one of the most beautiful <laughs> things in the world. But like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting emotional right now. This is like therapy for me. Yeah. Well, but also it's such divine intervention. You know, we don't know why we do these things. And then yeah. you realize like, sometimes it's just, it's just happening, right? Yeah. As you said, like, sometimes we're just, we're, uh, we're vehicles mm-hmm. in, the, in the best of, and I mean that in the best of ways, we're vehicles for something so much bigger, such as the power of love. And that, and that's the thing too, of like, you know, I think that over the years, I think maybe I would bully myself to say like, have you led this organization well enough? Have you done enough with this thing? You know, and, you know, there were so many opportunities to market it or partner with these big companies or do all these things. And I just always kept it exactly as it is very simple, very, maybe too simple. I don't know, but like it grows every single day. People find it every single day. And this was never, it was never about that. It was never about making money. It, still to this day, I don't make a dime off of more love letters because I just want people to know that there are people out there in the world who do not need to be paid money to see you, to write you a letter, to show up for you that like on the days when you wonder if like, if you matter, there is a space for you, mm. you know? And that's honestly my whole heart in showing up on the internet. It's just you matter here. Like it matters that you're here, but I wish to God that like people would realize that it's not happening on this screen, you know, like it is not there that you need to get offline. You need to look around. You need to see the people in your life. Like that is the mission that you are called to every single day. Like there, there was a time it was, you know, five or six or maybe seven years ago at this point, I remember getting this email. I was visiting New York for a series of meetings. I remember exactly where I was when I got it. And it was an anonymous email. And it was from this guy. He said his name was Matt and he lived in Ohio. That's all I know about him. And he said, um, you know, I, I wish that I had understood like what, what you seem to have grasped at a very young age. And he was like, because some days I think like, as I'm getting older, I'm going to live and breathe and die. And no one is going to remember my name. And he said the last line of that email, he said, um, he, he said, everyone is so afraid of what will happen when the screen shuts off. Like, I'm so afraid of what will happen when the screen shuts off. And I think about that and I always think about Matt from Ohio because I've said his name on stages and I've always, you know, looked out into crowds thinking maybe he's here. And I think to myself, Matt from Ohio, like wherever you are, like you thought no one was going to know your name. And like, I carry you in my mission everywhere that I go, but like your core fear of being so afraid of what will happen when the screen shuts off. I think that's where we need to go more and more as technology advances. I still believe 
what founded more love letters 10 years ago is that the world doesn't need another app. It doesn't need another efficient system. What it needs is basic and simple and yet the hardest thing to do, which is just loving one another, being decent humans. If you can't do that, at least just keep another person's dignity intact. Mm -hmm. Like we have gotten so far disconnected from one another that it breaks my heart. And I think like, man, now I, I'm so honored to be a part of something that at least does that, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, at least, and I, and I say now, you're saying at least, which is the magnitude of what that does in the hundreds of thousands to Matt, to someone in a war across the oceans, there's such a need for people to be right, whatever right is, air quotes. And it's, there is no right. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's about being better in the world. I don't need to beat you. I don't need yeah. to compete with you. I just want to love. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's it. And, and, and build more bridges so that more people can walk across those bridges mm. freely. Yeah. You know, without, I think, you know, if I, if I really could, I, I was actually, I'll say it out loud. My one mission in this entire world world really is to eliminate shame in mm-hmm. this world. And that. it's a huge one and it's a lofty one. And I'll work on it every single day through loving kindness and showing up and creating space and being being someone's passenger on their journey. Yeah. And filling my own cup, of course. I've learned that yep. I've had to do that for sure. Um, and that's that I don't know. I, I'm with you. That's what we're called to do. There's nothing. I said it earlier to you, and I, I don't say this often. I said, "Oh, you you obviously knew at a young age you had a heart to help." Yeah. And 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 so be it. But then I think too, it's like you know, my mom raised me in a way where that's what you're going to be. You're going to be a helper. Like that's it. Like you know, I was raised creating shoeboxes for kids that weren't going to get Christmas gifts and going to kitchen pantries and going to, my mom was a nurse, a pediatric nurse. And so Mm. I had always go like play with the kids that were at the hospital. And and that was just in her DNA. And she passed that on to me. And I think what an opportunity I have to pass that on to my little girl, you know, and I'm realizing now I'm like, man, like these other missions, they feel big and they've been big, but like this is the most important mission here is like whatever is happening within these four walls. Because I think especially if this isn't real, if I'm not real, if I'm not who I say that I am, then I have no business going online and thinking I I need a megaphone. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't need more megaphones. We just need people that are just going to, get offline and be there for one another yeah the presence that you talked about being yeah, present and yeah last week for example as you said like that'll go down in history for you as a number of things in that week mm. but one that was not only productive but you were present and there was nowhere else you needed to be nor would you have been yeah yes you know? so i could talk to you forever this has really been like a beautiful conversation. I want to thank you so much for sharing your heart. With Absolutely. Me. And like what you do, as I said to you in my first email to you, like you have been, you have been there for me in dark days and light days. And, and I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your words and 
and the commitment to word that you have and the commitment to love. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for that. Thank you, Hannah. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And go hug your little one. I'm going to go hug my little one. Yeah. Oh, I will. I definitely will. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Really. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you for this. This has been wonderful. Cathartic. I need it. You know, I feel like it's been a chaotic week. And then, yeah, I think these moments, they always ground me back and why I do what I do, you know? Yeah. The watershed moments. And I think it is really simple. We, we, we humans complicate everything. Yeah. It's so blah, true. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, it just comes back to the one thing. Like we are here to love, to give love, to receive love. Over yeah. And over and over. Give more than we get. Hey, everybody. If you want to start a podcast or you have a podcast that you want to get up and running, please, please reach out to my team at onairbrands.com. That's on airbrands.com. They're the best.